Welcome to episode 5 of From Fear to Faith, the podcast series from Desiring Truth and Anne Absalom. Lord, we pray as we continue through this series that we keep our ears and our hearts and our minds open to learning more about you. Amen. We uh, talked about uh, God revealing himself to Gideon and uh, revealing himself as the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. And the way that God helped Gideon overcome his fear was by revealing who he was. And um, we find that truth throughout the Old Testament and into the New, that um, the only way we can know joy, peace, um, all of the blessings of God is really to know God, to know who he is, to know um, his character. And um, in Philippians, we are told, in the New Testament, told that peace can and should be the constant experience of every Christian, even in the midst of trials, um, as we remember uh, and as we uh, walk in the truth of who God is, we should know that the God of who is peace is always with us. This is the reality of life as a Christian. Um, this is normal Christian life, actually. And uh, Insofar as we don't understand that, we then don't spend the time getting to know who God is. Many times as Christians, we we think that believing in Jesus is it and that suddenly somehow uh, everything's going to be made right for us and we're going to suddenly know how to be and how to walk the way Jesus walked. But the, learning how to do that takes a certain amount of discipline. And one of the key things that we must do is to take the Word of God and read it and understand that it is through the Word, through the living word that God reveals who he is to us and in as and as we get to know him in his word we are strengthened by him we are able to face the things of this this life with the right perspective knowing that our God is the sovereign creator God and he has promised to be all that we need he's promised that his grace is sufficient for us to face and to have victory over all the trials that might come our way. In Philippians, as I say, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 9, Paul writes, uh, uh, he writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is in prison when he writes this letter and even a quick reading of it will tell you that Paul has peace. He is speaking from experience. He has walked the walk that he is telling the believers in Philippi to walk and ultimately God is using him as an example to every believer down through the ages. And he begins this section with an interesting instruction. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This comes before any prayer, before any request, before any uh, path to peace. This is his command. Always rejoice in the Lord. So that makes me ask a question. What is it about rejoicing that will start to remove our fear of anything other than God and put us on the path of peace? 
Because Paul has put this instruction ahead of his instructions on how to deal with anxiety. And he has followed rejoice with let your gentle spirit be known to all men. What does he mean by this then? The word for gentle is moderate or patient. And Paul is saying that in all situations, through all circumstances, rejoice, find joy in your relationship with the Lord. Rejoice that you can come to him at all times. Rejoice in who he is, who you know him to be. Rejoice that he is God Almighty, that he is the Lord who sustains you, that he is the Lord who provides. Rejoice, be glad in the truth of God, in your experience of him, walking through life with you. And as you rejoice, let that rejoicing have the effect of making you patient, gentle, steadfast, outwardly in whatever trials you're going through. Let other people hear you rejoice and know that you trust God, that you know that the Lord is near, that he is at hand, that he's close and that you never walk alone. Then on the back of that, hear him say, be anxious for nothing and understand how he can say it because you have already come into the place of knowing and trusting that the Lord is with you, that he is working, that he is able to bring you through. And you are already proclaiming that with your mouth as you face the trials in your life. Now, when you do that, you will not allow fear to turn into any care or anxiety or you won't allow it to ferment in you. In fact, what you will do is you will be coming boldly to his throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Hebrews 4.16. Rejoicing is the important, the most important first step. And it is given in almost every instance of scripture to overcome fear. Later on, maybe um, in this podcast or in the next, we'll look at some others. But for now, remember, the first step to overcoming fear and anxiety is rejoicing aloud, even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. So let's take these verses then in Philippians and break them apart a little. We've seen rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, the Lord is near. And then in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. In Matthew 6, uh, 25 to 34, Jesus uh, uh, talking, it's his Sermon on the Mount, talking that, and about anxiety and saying that it stems from a lack of faith and from a wrong focus on the things of this world instead of on the kingdom of God. Turn with me for just a moment to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse uh, 25 to 34. We'll read a little bit of that. Matthew 6, 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And verse 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? 
Seek first, verse 33, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we can understand that anxiety and fear is a result of not believing God and of not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then we can start to understand how to deal with it. Our Christian witness to a desperately lost world is one of Paul's main themes in Philippians. He wants Christians to have and express joy in all situations, not so that they'll just be seen to be happy people, but so that they will be effective witnesses of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Anyone can be happy when things are going well. But in a trial, to be able to rejoice in the fact that you know God is sovereignly in control of your trial, that he has every issue sorted out, that he has a purpose and a plan, and that he has already promised that he will see you through, that he, the God of peace, will be with you every day, every moment of that trial, that causing to rejoice, that being able to rejoice in those truths in the middle of your trial is a witness that is impossible for those who do not know God. That is why trials are the best place to witness for the Lord Jesus. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 14 to 18, Paul will um, make that uh, plain. Let's have a look at Philippians. Go back to Philippians again. Philippians 2, um, Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Paul is in prison. He is suffering. He is not at liberty to do all the things that he wants to do. But nonetheless, even though he is being poured out, he says, like a drink offering for other people's faith, he rejoices in that because he knows that he is in the plan and the purpose of God. And that causes him to rejoice because he has been used by his glorious God. In other words, we are to be seeking first God's kingdom, not our own happiness. If a non-Christian sees you as a believer weighed down by anxieties and cares about things of this life, he isn't going to be asking you how he can have what you have. Anxiety and joy are mutually exclusive. So for the sake of our own joy, which in itself is a tremendous testimony of Jesus Christ, it is imperative that we learn to experience the peace of God, especially in the face of trials. This means that when it comes to the matter of dealing with our fear and anxiety, we must, at the beginning of confront, uh, confronting them, we must, at the outset, understand our motives for wanting to have peace. If our motive or our reason for wanting to be free from anxiety is that we can live a peaceful, pleasant life with no trouble and no trial, then that means that our focus is self-centred and therefore wrong. We have to be asking ourselves the questions, am I living to please myself rather than God? 
Is my request for peace simply a request for God to take away all the difficulty and give me a comfortable life? Or do I want to be able to live like this through trials so that his kingdom and his glory will be evidenced? The peace that Christ offers is the byproduct of putting Christ on the throne of your life, making him Lord and living for his kingdom. Jesus tells a well-known parable in, uh, in Luke chapter 8, the uh, parable of the sower who sows his seed. And Jesus says that that seed falls on different types of ground. And in Luke uh, 8, 14, he speaks about the seed which fell among the thorns. And he's talking about uh, the thorns representing those who have heard the gospel. And then as they've gone on their way, they are choked with worries and uh, choked with worries about riches and pleasures of life and they bring no fruit to maturity worries there in that verse is the noun that's related to the verb be anxious in philippians and the scary thing about jesus words is this that those who profess to really believe but then get choked out by worries riches and pleasures have never really taken themselves off the throne of their lives they've never really surrendered to the lord jesus christ and the truth is, they're just living with the same focus that the world has. They're living for their own personal pleasure and their own peace. In relation to Philippians 4 verse 6, this means that what Paul is saying here is not just, if you're anxious, try prayer, it works. Rather, he's saying, if you're anxious, examine your faith or lack of it in the living God, who has promised that he will supply the basic needs of his children. Examine your focus. Look at whether you're living for Christ and his kingdom or whether you're living for yourself. Whatever the cause, anxiety comes out of unbelief that must be brought before God and laid aside. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Wouldn't you call anxiety an, an encumbrance? So in Hebrews, in Philippians, all the way through the New Testament and the Old Testament, God is saying to us, if you are anxious for anything, examine yourself, examine why you are anxious, because you say that you truly believe in a God who cares for you, in a God who will provide, in a God who has set you up for victory. If you are anxious, it is because you have taken your eyes off that God and you are focusing on yourself. Or worse, if you are anxious and afraid, it is because you have put yourself on the throne of your life and not given over the um, control of your life to the Lord Jesus. So um, the first step in, in dealing with anxiety is to examine whether it is due to a lack of faith or whether it is due to a wrong focus on self. And as soon as you've looked at that, if you find that that's what's happening in you, you confess it and surrender to him. And God has promised if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1 verse 9. God is a promise-keeping God, and he has promised that as soon as you agree with him about your sin, as soon as you ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive and he will purify. 
And Paul goes on in Philippians to say that we should um, uh, pray with thankfulness. Look at what he says. Um, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He mentions four words for prayer, which sort of overlap in meaning. He's got prayer, supplication, thanksgiving and request. Prayer. When he talks first about praying uh, and making our requests known to God, the Greek word prayer has the idea of coming face to face with God, coming directly before him. What does he mean then? Maybe to remember that when we pray, we are bringing ourselves into the presence of God and we are standing before the creator of the universe, the one who knows every thought and intention of our heart, the one who knows us inside out, the one who Psalm 139 tells us knows every hair on our head and every day of our life before any one of them came to be. It is that God that we are talking to, that God that we are coming into the presence of. So you can imagine now when he's he's telling us included in this idea of be anxious for nothing is this this uh, and this idea of checking ourselves out to see why are we anxious are we anxious about um ourselves or about an issue that we're just not trusting God for. That's why he's saying that, because he wants us to know that when we come into the presence of God, we are coming into the presence of awesome holiness. Check yourself out before you come. And then a believer is told to come directly to God in prayer. Christ is our mediator. He has made the way for us to come directly to the Father. He has told us that we don't have to uh, any longer come to anybody else to talk to talk on our behalf to God because Christ has opened up the way for us to come and stand in the presence of God our Father and lay lay at his feet all of our concerns, all of our difficulties, all of our requests, and more to expect a, re- a response to our request. Pet prayer is a personal drawing near to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. Supplication. He says... Um, Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is the uh, particular specific request that you might have. And, you know, sometimes when I was uh, a new believer, and sometimes even now I have to say, I find myself thinking, "Why, why is it important that I mention things to God? Because doesn't he know everything already? And of course, the answer is, well, yes, he does. But it's not so much for God's sake that we list our supplications or we list our specific uh, requests. It's as much. It's really for our sake, because as we do that, we're telling ourselves that we are in total dependency upon God, that we can do nothing without him. Um, and we are coming to God saying, Um, This is what I think I need. This is what I think I want. But actually, ultimately, you decide. Here's the requests I have. You decide which I need and which I don't. And that sort of prayer enables us to receive, thankfully, what he gives. Because we know then that it's come from him. And that 
those things that he has answered, that he has um, has said, yes, you know, this 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 will be the way for you. We can understand that um, it comes from a God who is kind, a God who is blessing, a God who is compassionate, a God who is just so generous with his good gifts. All of that understanding as we come before God, all of that understanding that he knows everything we need before we need it. He knows in advance what we're going to be praying. Anything you and I pray today, he already knew about. But that understanding and that kind of comprehension that we're coming into the presence of that sort of God, a God who knows, a God who cares, a God who has already provided, keeps our uh, requests in the right place. Now, I'm not going to come to God and say, well, do you know what? I don't have a big enough car, really, and I, I really would love a Maserati because they're so fantastic. It helps me to keep my requests in the same purpose of God, in the same plan of God. Now, when I come to him, I'm asking for things that will help me to glorify him because I'm reminding myself of who my God is and the amazing cost and blessing of allowing me to come into his presence. That sets me up for thanksgiving. I mean, really, think about it. When you're anxious, probably you're in a situation that gives some cause to be anxious or afraid. And and sometimes thankfulness at that time is not automatic. You have to do it deliberately. You have to be deliberately thank, thanking God for what we cannot yet see. And that requires us to, to be thinking and to be, to be remembering certain things, remembering what God has done for us in the past. You know, think over your life up to now. Think over all the times that you've prayed and God has come to your aid and he has done um, the best thing for you. Think about what he has done, how he sustained you, how he's been with you in every trial, that he has never abandoned you. Um, and then thank him for that. It, it requires saying to him, you know, Lord, I'm in the middle of a crisis. I'm in the middle of a trial, but I know that you know what's going on. And I know that even though I don't understand why I'm in this or how long I'll be in this, your sovereign will will be worked out in this. And I trust you and I trust that you will use it for my good. For you say in Romans 28 that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm sorry, that's Romans 8, 28. We're not just supposed to thank God when we feel like it, but also when we don't feel like it. Thanking him for who he is and how he is in control. And then we're to thank him uh, be praying with thankfulness, trusting him for what he's going to do in the future. So we've had all the past faithfulness. We have the present submission to his will and thanking him because he is in control and then thanking him for what we can't yet see, that we don't know how he's going to do it, but we know that he will. How wonderful it is that we can come to that sort of a God and we can present our requests to him with thanksgiving. How wonderful that whole process of prayer will be when we focus our mind on who God is, when we understand that praying brings us into the presence of God. We are standing face to face with God the Father. We are bringing our requests to him, but we are understanding now what it means, what it costs to be able to get to stand in the presence of the Holy God. And now our requests are being 
changed maybe slightly and brought into 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 perspective and we're starting to understand oh lord i want to live in the center of your will these are the things i need these are the trials i'm going through but i trust that you know all about it i want what you want i want your will and your purpose in my life do you think you might bring yourself to pray like that to pray in this way as paul has talked about in philippians chapter 4 Do you think that if you begin by rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice, let your gentle spirit be known to all men, the Lord is near. Do you think if you might say to yourself, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to choose to rejoice in all that I know about God and all about all that I know that he has promised and that he will do. I am choosing to rejoice when I don't feel like it because I know that my God is near. Do you think that might set you up in a way to come to him with your anxieties, your worries, your concerns, come to him with your fear and say, Lord, I know that you are big enough to deal with all of this. And so I lay it all before you with thanksgiving. Father, I want to pray now at the end of this podcast that uh, you would be... um, you would be pleased with those sorts of prayers. I know that you will, Lord God, because you had Paul write it down that this is how you would like us to pray. So, Father, I now want to pray with thanksgiving that I can come to you with any and all anxieties, all my concerns, every single part of my life you know about, you care about. So I can come to you with the concerns in my life and I can trust that though I don't know how you will do it, though I don't know even what tomorrow will bring, I can trust that you do and that you have already provided all that I need for it. So we thank you, Lord, that you are a great and holy and majestic God and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at desiringtruth.org.uk for more information on events and series like this. God bless.